last time Vanessa Carlton tinkled her way to another week as Liam series winner. And although Sugar Babes put up a good fight, Kylie is still going round round in Scott's head. This is the Naughtiest Naughty. Welcome back. Uh, it's Liam and Scott McGurty. That's good, isn't it? See where you're going. Yeah, yeah. That's a great one. Back for another week of pop music. We were not here last week. We've both been affected by the storm. Uh, except, Ooh. well, I haven't had any fences blow down. I've just been working loads more. And But your roof at work literally blew off this yeah. week. So we have one of those metal roofs. And actually what happened was one side of it blew off and flapped over to the other side. Mm. And when it hung over the other side, it was the access to one of the parts of the building. But it was swinging around and it was like something off Saw or Final Destination. Uh, yeah. So there was actually these scissor bits of like pure sharp metal swinging left and swinging right. And you've never seen anything like it. And mm. it really, they weren't even, they just didn't come away. You know, once they'd broken, had the fold and hung over the side because of the direction the wind was coming from, they just hung. So mm. you were kind of waiting to see if they blew, but you couldn't take the risk of letting anybody in. So our whole site got shut down. It's still shut. Yeah, our whole shut, yeah. the site's been shut and it's been a long long time and when covid struck we were able to be really smart and dial in and press buttons on faders and mm. things like that in the studio from a distance uh, but no but because we're bragging and getting this really nice expensive studio put in that one's not active yet so we're on the crappy really really old one yeah uh, and we're completely stumped it is literally people recording we transferring what they say one at a time mm. putting it in and making it sound lovely it is hard going so that's why we weren't here last week <gasps> Sorry. I, I was a bit tired but in the grand scheme of things, not as bad as Scott Nelly getting guillotined by a, a roof. Oh, it was bad. Yeah. It was so, so bad. I was trying to host an event when I found out. And the funniest thing was, is the way that I found out, because they tried to contact me first, was a pizza delivery guy who delivers <laughs> pizzas to me and has my number because he would ring to say, I'm outside. Yeah. His brother's a security guard and needed to get in contact with me. So the security guard contacted the listener who then contacted me oh, and wow. said, ring this number. Um, so I rang this number and had to speak to the security guy. I was like, we need you to come over now. And then I got <laughs> there and like, no, you've got to stay back. And I was like, yeah, I'm so glad that I've panicked. But um, yeah. what a strange way to be contacted I know, by the people. the power of radio and communication. Yeah, isn't it good? Isn't it amazing yeah, what yeah. we do? Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're doing here today is pop music. We're talking about tracks that were big in the year uh, 2002. Ooh. We've been going for the last... Well, a year and a half in real time, uh, almost two and a half years in pop music time for mm-hmm. our podcast. Chronological order, picking out some uh, favourites. A winner stays on battle. At the minute, it's uh, Vanessa Carlton for me, Kylie for Scott. And today, we'll venture into the final week of August 2002 and the start of September to uh, to see where it takes us. I'm excited. It's been a little while. I'm just I'm hungry to get back into it, to be honest. I think I'm off to university this week, in theory. You pro- yeah, you probably yeah, are. Yeah, we're going to uni. Yeah, it would be, yeah. So are you, yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Well, it wouldn't be, I probably didn't actually start uni until like the 30th of September, but yeah. we're around that time now where the results are right. Vanessa Cartland's PTSD'd me mm-hmm. um, and I've declined going to Scotland because I was like, what was I thinking? I hadn't considered. Oh, where were you going to go? I was going to Harriet Watt and I don't know why I was going to Harriet Watt because I hadn't actually gone to Scotland and visited. I just uh-huh. applied, got in and then whenever they approved me, it's like, yeah, I don't actually think I want to go there now. Yeah. yeah, and then bailed and started a degree in German and computing, not just computing by itself. There you go. Mm-hmm. So you get any new pencil case at this point? 
Yeah, did probably. I get anything? Yeah, I don't even know. I probably just begged, stole, and borrowed. You know, from yeah. the last school, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Didn't you don't know what to expect do you in first year? No, really? oh god, I didn't. No. no, not at all. I should have guessed from seeing fresh meat, although it wasn't actually much like that in the end. Had that been out before you went to uni? Yeah, that'd been on when I was in school. That would have, that would have been quite handy. But it to ended be fair. when I was in my second year. So they had their final year on fresh meat in my second ah. year, and I got to watch them have their final year. And I was like, oh god, oh, my year isn't that depressing? And it mm-hmm. was. Because it's oh. like it's a well, not just because it's it's sad to watch it all kind of end, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think mine's. I was in charge of the accommodation, so mine's was very much literally the last one of like three people, mm. and everybody's gone at that point. And then at that point, I was packing my car to move to England. Yeah, you know, so it was really strange. I think I had like two days left in Northern Ireland after I'd packed my car before I actually completely left the country. It was mm. strange. So we're going to start getting university memories for these tracks eventually then. We're going to start yeah. getting some, some well, uni vibes. Well, so I pulled out after I got to Christmas and dropped out because oh. I didn't like the German because it was all German politics. And who wants to speak about that in English? Never mind in German. Yeah, true. Uh, but then I go back the next year and just do the solid computing. And this time I move out. Great. So, so we'll get some freshest memories for the tracks of the next few months and then nothing for a bit. And then back we go again. Yeah, my fresher still wasn't like a university thing. It was just me still going on the piss in Limavadi. I guess you know, that so, was, yeah. It was just still going out with the people that I saw day in, day out, really. Yeah. Um, some of my mates had gone and moved away, so I'd go and maybe visit them, but they were like very much forming their new friendship groups as well, so mm. you didn't want to be that Klingon at that point. Well, there you go. Another mm. another new era for the podcast. We'll look forward to delving into that. But for now, though, let's get into the tracks that we're doing today as we end August and start September. Both of this week's number one singles are controversial covers. Blazing Squad and Atomic Kitten are those whose gambles have paid off. Plus the solo debut of Abs from Five, an unlikely return for a new metal member's numpty crazy town, <laughs> and two tracks that are very romantic in very different ways from Milky and Truth Hurts. All of that and more and more can you believe it but first let's start the week commence the 25th of august 2002 loads of tracks that are not in the top 10 that i want to bring to you will kind of go through them in quick fire fashion um 39 is the soundtrack to a film which i think comes out this week or next week moby extreme ways 39 from oh that one oh from uh born born mm-hmm. jason born i uh, born identity So that's number 39. Down at 46, a track that I didn't know was this early in life. I thought this came out much later. 46, David Guetta featuring Chris Willis, Love Don't Let Me Go. Forty six in two thousand two. Yeah, yeah. Because so the re- the way you'll know it was David Guetta versus the Egg. Yes. Don't let me go. Yeah. So this was the original version of it, and then this is where we're racing towards that Wally Lopez re- remix of Just a Little More Love by David Guetta, mm. which was the turning point for his. That was it. He just yeah. goes stratospheric. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't go commercial stratospheric until like what two thousand and five, six, maybe. Yeah. But I remember the first time I heard a David Guetta track in a nightclub. I will have been at uni in Belfast because there was a girl in my class singing it and I was like she knows the words I don't know the words should I know this track and I was like afterwards it's like I need to know this track you need to get on that one yeah Luna's at number 83 who had that sample in the JLo track recently didn't she Ah. she used a bit of I Got Five on it and it's because it's I guess been sampled it's kind of come back into the popular charts 83 
three tracks now that are, are going to come to us in the next couple of weeks. Things to look forward to. 84, Avril Lavigne, Complicated. Mm-hmm. She's just around the corner. That's pretty cool. Ninety two DJ Sammy Heaven, <laughs> it's coming. That's exciting. And a track I think we'll do next week. Ninety four for Scooter and Nisaja. <laughs> Yes. Lots of stuff to look forward to. TV-wise, two big things started. I'm a Celebrity started on the Sunday, on the same day as the charts. For the first time ever. The first one ever. Wow. Yeah. And then the following Saturday, my life changed forever, because Dick and Dom and the Bungalow started on CBBC. Ah, yeah. I mean, back when it first started, I mean, I've interviewed the people who made the programme for a, a university thing, and it started very small. It was just a way it just fills three hours of airtime, expected nothing of it, and then just grew and grew and grew and became like... BBC One primetime Saturday morning and uh, one of the probably most iconic kids shows of this decade. Yeah, it really would be. One of the last really good live kids TV shows. Yeah. It was just completely ballsy, completely ridiculous, no scripts. They just did mad shit. They just covered kids (laughs) in custard. They offended politicians. I mean, nobody did it like they did, and uh, yeah. I can only aspire. People, when me and Nathan, who I do, I've done stuff at Spark with all the years, people say that in deck. I'm like, nah, it's Dick and Dom. That's really sweet that you're a Dick and Dommer. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's quite nice. Yeah. I think it was like when we were at Steps, you lit up when you saw Lee, and I was like, oh, that's really sweet that mm-hmm. you, like, he's your era of dude that you obsess over yeah whereas I don't I, I'm trying to think who would, would I have had one I'm not really I don't know I loved Kylie and Jason at one point but yeah. I just fancied Kylie yeah. you know so I don't know trying to move in as Jason's sort of friend just to kind of snake him and stab him in the back did Craig McLaughlin already do that <laughs> <laughs> while we're talking steps isn't it a shame that they've gone viral in the news for all the wrong reasons because of the COVID yeah. cases at the concerts yeah to be fair though did they check COVID passports when we saw them um, I don't think they did actually no they didn't we they did check us for they checked us more for um, stabby drugs yeah didn't they we got metal detected mm-hmm. more than we got COVID passported mm-hmm. did we have to submit anything don't think so I went so you've been to a lot of things in a really short space of time I, and I've been, I checked, I've been checked for everything else apart from steps oh really mm-hmm. yeah which I don't obviously it's, it's not, not a steps fault. thing no it's, no, it's a, not an fault. it's a company thing yeah but anyway mm. uh, so it's, it's just, just it's, a, it's a shame that uh, people who've brought such joy to so many people are now being in the headlines for, for that it's not their fault it's just no. a shame anyway uh, pop music wise a new number one this week and who would have ever saw this coming uh, it's, it's a real left field choice after so many reality TV stars uh, this comes along and is unlike anything else we've already had before I think and maybe we'll ever have again this is a number one for one week for Blazing Squad and their cover of uh, Bone Thunkers and Harmony's Crossroads this is amazing let's get into it see you at the crossroads 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 so 
So originally a single released in April 1996 and it was an actual song dedicated to the Bugstones and Harmony group's mentor, the gangster rap icon Eazy-E mm-hmm. um, and pretty much other family members as well. So this was Blazing Squad's first single mm-hmm. uh, off the first studio album in the beginning and whenever I watched it back, I do not remember them being that young. Yeah, they're, like, they're, they're they fresh look, out of school. I've written down here, what have I written down? I swear I put in something ridiculous, like they were fresh out of the womb or something. Or Pretty it, much. It's practically <laughs> just a bunch of fetuses rapping, which yeah. is actually a bit disturbing. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't. I knew they were young, but then obviously because they were probably around my age, mm. it didn't look like that on the TV. No. And then now that I've looked back, I'm like, yeah, Jesus, they would not get into a nightclub. None of them no, would they get wouldn't. into a nightclub. They literally wouldn't. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they performed at nightclubs. Yeah, they will have done, yeah. Couldn't have Capri Suns. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they literally, they, they, so they met in school in Chingford. It was two rival gangs, apparently, who joined together to create music together, which what is nice. It? Apparently, that's the story anyway. <laughs> uh, um, the BBC called them a culmination of rival gangs who joined together in order to create music. They made a demo for £200 called Standard Flow. It got sent to pirate radio stations. They created their own record label. And then just weeks after they completed their GCSEs, oh, they signed East West Records and uh, released crossroads so literally they're on their summer holiday at the minute before they either, uh-huh. either go to college do an apprenticeship or wow. well, I, guess, I guess in their case uh, start a pop career yeah so Stand Flow was going to be the first single then it got changed to Crossroads and uh, yeah the media had a field day uh, they got called the So Solid Crew Juniors as one of their nicknames mm. which uh, you know it, it's kind of appropriate in some ways yes how many members of Blazing Squad can you name uh, Kenzie mm. that's it Okay. He was Blazing Squad. He was, but which is funny because actually he doesn't really sing, or you don't you don't really hear Do him at all. No, no, no. I don't really he's know. Very, why. He's very front and centre for somebody who's not really involved. Yeah, there he's, was. He's the pretty one they push at the front. Yeah, I think that was. A, I think an olive-skinned white dude just was always up front and centre. Yeah. Really, which was like a bit of a shame for some people who were really talented. But I I see the kind of comparison with so solid, but I have them as a five. 10 piece <laughs> instead of a so solid 10 piece because I think tonally they kind of actually sound more like five but yeah. you can kind of you can hear the conversation where it's like right someone we need a new younger fresher five but it needs to be genius and somebody goes what about 10 and that's kind of the <laughs> conversation and then they go yeah but we can't call them that so they go 12 of them actually is there, it, yeah I don't know how many there is but yeah so I think in my head that's how the Blazing Squad or the Blazing Squad conversation comes about but it's based on nothing but I think they're more five multiplied than so solid multiplied mm. at this point. I know where you're coming from, to be fair, I do. I see I'm I'm suspicious of people like this who like hang around in shopping centres looking mysterious and like they're gonna batter you. But I do actually want with these guys for some reason. There's a, there's something about them that I dig I'm kinda like I'm here for them, I kinda root for them in some ways. It might be because the backlash was so big against them and because like we've since come to realise just how important what you might call chav culture actually is. Yeah. That I maybe I'm kind of retrospectively because I'm sure I made fun of this as a child. I can re- I can recall like watching the video and taking the piss by like you know copying the arms and like you yeah know, they became a bit of a butt of a joke and now I'm probably kind of making amends for that and being like we should take them a bit more seriously because they are just kids and they got bullied quite a lot. Yeah, but no. I, I, I'm, I, I find it hard to criticise this even though there's a lot to criticise if we're being like music critics but I think musically it's cult- grand culturally I think it's it's very important and I do like it yeah I don't believe that it was two gangs brought together and that it was like a youth mm. group kind of a thing where it's all I, I think it's probably manufactured like but, uh, West Side Story <laughs> yeah yeah so I'm more in the camp of I think that this was manufactured which I don't mind mm. to that point I think 
I would love to know how much money they made considering S Club were so huge yeah. and say that they made 200 grand each. Mm. I would love to know if they actually made any money from this. But I thought when I was doing prep for this one, I thought this is like, this is the pop star equivalent of radio where people get into radio and you can't make any money from radio, but because you're in radio, you have to try and make money from the other opportunities that you mm. do. Like you might get yourself on the TV or you might get to host events or DJ and nightclubs and stuff. So you mm. take advantage of all of the other stuff. It was probably the same for Blazing Squad. And I hope that there was never a conversation when they got their paychecks about look at all the other ways you can make money Kenzie get into Celebrity Big Brother mm. but what I do like about it I think this is really easy listening as a track yeah Bo- like and vocally and tonally from them not necessarily just the Bones Thug and Harmony version um, and the writing but I love the juxtaposition of these dudes singing about faith and prayer and they don't look like they've ever stepped in the church that kind of works <laughs> for me yeah hook's great tone's grand I don't think it's too bad and at the time I remember struggling to watch the video because it was really blurry in effect for yeah, my eyes but yeah. watching it back now <laughs> it was even worse because obviously screens have got better Yeah. so it was a bit of a strange one but I looked at it thinking oh the group's dancing time is shocking <laughs> but actually that's a million times better than them all swaying in time yeah. with each other because then it's Westlife yes. and actually the way that the, if that's choreographed that someone's just a little bit out of time or just swaying the wrong way when everybody's going one other way it just kind of works a little bit it's just missing a key change isn't it stop us being like west london life yeah i i think you know you know actually we've probably got a lot of breakthrough tracks this week that are samples and covers Mm -hmm. and for the next Mm -hmm. few weeks and this is just at the time this is what you did you covered something you blue have done big covers yeah like everybody's done big covers but they put their own stamp on like you know this is very different to the bone stuck and harmony version like only really the hook yeah. and other little bits are... and Well, actually, they still sing bone, 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 bone at the start, even though... That's not what they're saying? Yeah, bone. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, but otherwise, it's pretty new. You know, they've written a lot of their own stuff, including the brilliant line, Who's that? Get off the train! Which I just <laughs> always look forward to and sing along to, regardless of where I am. I think it's more East 17 than So Solid Crew as yeah. well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So solid. It's a it's a it's a kind of a lazy journalisty hack comparison that people will have splashed on newspaper headlines because it grabbed yeah. attention. Personal solid. Yeah, they look hard, but also very vulnerable, and I guess that's kind of the point. But I think that's the same with Blackout Crew. You know, really mm. weirdly enough, did I tell you? Have I told you that I met one of Blackout Crew a few weeks ago? No, no, you haven't. <laughs> How weird! So I I went to this VIP thing for Ultra Beat <laughs> in Sunderland because I got invited to be at this like event um, a bingo event and um, Ultrabeat came out so Ultrabeat there's three people that DJ as Ultrabeat so it yeah. depends who you kind of get mm-hmm. who do we get we've got Ian Redmond and he has an MC comes out with him and the MC is the lead dude out of Black oh my Blackout Crew I was thinking I really recognise him I really recognise him and I went to myself I think Victoria had fancy him and I was like she does <laughs> fancy him that's the one she used to eye up whenever Where's put a donk I? on it when on Clubland yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah but I think you saw that with Blackout Crew. If you haven't got a clue who Blackout Crew are, you've got to... Put a dunk on it. You've got to go and check it out. Um, I remember watching them on The Culture Show once um, yeah. because they were such a significant thing for the Northwest. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, you know, it's part Blackout Crew and, and Blazing Squad are both part of, like, this chav culture mm-hmm. that, you know, the the upper-class metropolitan elite of the media will have found it very easy to condemn because they wouldn't have been in these parts of London before, these yeah. parts of the northwest where Black Blackout grew up from. You know, it's very easy to judge from your ivory tower, but realistically, this is what British life is mm-hmm. like for a lot of people. And, you know, actually, they probably are very marginalised. Mm-hmm. And having this out there and being at number one is, like, it's amazing. It's it's brilliant. And, and, I, and I don't think they've disgraced themselves at all. It has, like, a feel of, like... Dad's got some money. We've booked a recording studio. Like, just go and see what happens. A little bit. Yeah. It's. I'm, I'm kind of getting like 
especially the video too, kind of like Rebecca Black Friday kind of vibes of just kind of like, just we'll hide it out. Yeah. Go and do it. We'll we'll put it all together for you. Don't worry about it. It'll it'll get released. It's better than Rebecca Black Friday, I think. Uh, yeah, I. This and is, there's more credible this is people major involved. Hooks. Yeah, I think this. Um, I, yeah, I think I, I think the branding all these years later is the disaster. The song's great. Yeah, really. Yeah, uh, really. Like I said, it's easy listening. Would you turn it off if it came on? Oh, I never do. You would sit and yeah, I've loved never it. do. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've loved this for twenty years. Yeah, to so be fair, I never get to hear it, but I wouldn't turn this off. And actually, you know, if I flicked through and was just scanning through the channels when adverts were on and it got to the music channels and this mm-hmm. came on, I'd probably stop and let this go on. If this came on Radio One as like a you know, a recurrent, like a throwback sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think they get loads of tweets. They get loads of people like, oh my God, haven't heard this in ages. Mm-hmm. For the same reason of, you, you wouldn't turn it off. You'd no. turn it up. Yeah, it's this great. This is a big turn up track. Yeah. Things like Blackpool Grime Media these days. That's like a, a YouTube channel of these young kids from Blackpool who've just like started beef with each other. I mean, a lot of it's really, really offensive, but it's clear there's kind of a, a, a lineage of the Chav culture thing that stayed on. But yeah, I think it's very important. It's, it's very interesting. Some comments here from, obviously, because with, 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 with it being a number one single, Freaky Trigger, who does a blog of number ones, they uh, did a write-up on this, and uh, some of the comments are quite funny. One from Shiny Dave that says, <laughs> it honestly sounds like a souped-up school assembly performance. That's mint. Everybody loves yeah. assembly bangers. Yeah. That's that's a good thing. Yeah. And this one from Ricardo, this in the year of original pirate material by the streets. That's all there really is to yeah, say about okay, this. Yeah, okay, right, yeah. <laughs> the stock's just plummeted right there with that <laughs> sentence. This is the number three for Truth Hurts, a new name for us, featuring Rakim, more known as like Eric, Eric B and Rakim. Uh, Addictive is the name of the track. This is the lead single from her debut album, Truthfully Speaking, uh, which came out kind of, I think, at the start of April around places. And it features a verse from Rakim and is based on a Hindi music sample, Mm. which actually brought on a $500 million lawsuit against the record label Aftermath. Mm. Drama in the camp here, too. I didn't think I was going to know this one because nothing about it looked familiar. Mm. Uh, And then very first note came flooding back. Yeah. Did you recognise it? No. Oh, yeah, I heard it. There's got to be a reason why six-year-old Liam didn't hear this absolutely filthy song. Is it? Oh, this, yeah, this, this, was, this was shielded from me, I'm sure. Or it wasn't on the Saturday show. Why you know would I, mean? I know it then? It must have been on Radio 1 for me yeah, to know this. Yeah. It must have been. You can um, just about get away with this on the radio, but I didn't see this on kids' TV, obviously. Yeah, no, you wouldn't have seen no. that on that. No. no. I think it's very Aaliyah vibe, but clearly not Aaliyah. Yeah. Like a lesser, a bit like whenever we had girl thing kind of come in, you mm. know, they were supposed to be a good pop band. Um, there's <laughs> there's something not hitting here. Yeah. And it takes too long to get to a melody of any any sort. And when it does hit the melody, it's not strong enough. Yeah. The verses are like kind of a, a bit of a boring structure, like da-da, da-da. It's like the Netflix logo over again. It's just like da-da, da-da, da-da. And then the, the, the chorus is nice. I think Rakim's rap is what, what, what ties it together. And yeah. like takes it somewhere else and makes it more than just kind of like nah, 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 nah. so yeah the sample is a Hindi track the producer DJ Quick heard it on TV one morning uh, it turned out to be Thoda Resham Lagdahai uh, a 1981 song by late uh, Manjka, uh, Manjka the sample wasn't cleared 
The copyright holders sued the record label for a $500 million. They filed an injunction to stop it being broadcast or performed, which is, you know, it got number three here and number nine in the US, so mm-hmm. that's not bad considering. I'm sure they, they saw that chart position and thought, well, we'll sue them for that, because that's quite nice. We'll have a bit of that. Well, they gave them um, cease and desist and they just cracked on anyway. They, they just cracked it. on, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the lawyers said they literally superimposed their own drum track and lyrics over the beat. It's not just a small loop. It's our opinion that the label took it for granted uh, that Hindi music was something they didn't need to pay for. Oh, wow. That it could be simply uh, used at will. There were also objections for uh, for the sexual content and the offence it could cause to the sensibilities of many Hindi and uh, Muslim people, partly because the lyrical content of the original Hindi track was focused on flowers, love and romance. Whereas this has the line, he fills my cup, I like it rough, I'm on his knee, he keeps me clean. Uh, and other things... And also Rakim's versus Filth what too. A strange so the, way so to the, feed and bathe someone. Yeah, the um, I, I guess the, yeah, the, the juxtaposition of how nice and innocent the original one was, mm-hmm. and uh, just how dripping and uh, sleaze this one is, is quite big. Yeah, just think what Timberland could have done with this though. Like, I, I think the production's nice here, and this is this is a Timberland kind of move to pick like an obscure track that nobody would have really heard of in Western culture. I think he would have done more interesting things with it and maybe would have made it less appropriated than this feels. Yeah, I feel like this is just too late to the party. I think Mm. we've not the Hindi necessarily side of it, but all the other production elements that aren't the sample. I feel like we're a year and a half late for this now. Um, And it's not good enough to keep the vibe going a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that's what's a bit strange. Yeah, so that my, my question with this, I can't tell whether this is actually brilliant or whether it's rubbish. And I'm kind of thinking maybe it's a bit more rubbish now. But yeah, you know, we've discussed Holly Valance appropriation. Is this just the same? Mm. Well, video-wise, I'd say definitely. There's kind of stereotypical stuff in there for like sort of Hindu culture. I know it's kind of a, a, a typical Hindu stereotype, like head wobble and like the sort of the yeah. hand movements and stuff. I think that's all there in the video. There wasn't a single person who I think was it was it felt appropriate for them to do that. It did, none, none of it felt very appropriate. Not that the song is appropriate, but I think there's a difference between like being lyrically suggestive and appropriate in a culture. Yeah, I think this kind of stepped a line there. She's got like a, she's got a presence in some way, but it's like. It isn't star quality, it's just, she's just loud. And she kind of rivals Claire Richards for Biggest Mouth. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm glad I've heard it again, mm. I think, just for the one play that I've given it. But if I don't hear this again, I'm not actually devastated. The reason I remember it at all is because of how kind of like moral panic, <gasps> I can't believe she said that. Yeah. That's all that really stands out. Uh, I've written some more things down. He's so contagious, he turns my pages. Sounds like he's got like a disease. He's so persuasive and I'm his lady. I hate persuasive. No. That makes it sound nah. like she doesn't want it and he's made her do it. That was really the culture. I feel like that was really cultural back then about how you got your end away. Mm-hmm. You convinced people to do it. And I'm just like, nah. I've, I've probably, have I ever done? I don't even think so, to be fair. I think people just saw me and they wanted to jump oh, my bones. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gross. Or punch me in my bones. Yes. But um, yeah, I, um, there's there's a lot there's a lot of question marks now with this, isn't there? And I think you're like mm-hmm. pulling on a thread now that's making me really lean towards a Jesus side. I'll try not to pull any more threads. No, go for it. No, no, it's all right. I think it's I, not a contender. I think I am done there. Uh, I do like when he... Uh, I think the, the song is kind of unintentionally... Or maybe is it intentionally? I'm not too sure. And it's quite funny. There's a bit where she says, we fuss, but it sounds like he's uh, she's saying he bust, <laughs> which is just funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's obviously, because of the, the, the rhythm of the da-da, da-da, there's like a pause between the, the lines of the lyric. At one point she goes, he comes... 
in late it's like ah it's uh-huh. that thing of like ah, oh, see mm-hmm. double entendre very good i mean it could be just a single entendre um, i really don't know but uh no all in all it's one that i hadn't heard of i think it's a kind of a, a recurring theme of me in this time of particularly like black artists who i just didn't come across at all i guess kids tv or like whatever i watched just didn't give these kind of tracks a platform nah. or these people a platform i'm thinking candy i'm thinking tweet i'm now saying truth hurts I'm starting to see a pattern here. Yeah. I think hopefully at some point I will start to re- recall some of these kind of tracks. But so far, there's a lot of things here that I just totally Such missed a out on. fight for black people to just yeah. get themselves on the bloody stage. And, you know, we've had we've had some shocking white people taking up big platforms, time, yeah. really. You know, and, and some people don't think that there's even a problem with mm-hmm. balance in this day and age. I'm like, you know, there really is. Yeah. Well, speaking of appropriation, here's Abs from Five because he's the first uh, member of Five out of the traps as a solo artist and the track he gives us uh, samples a bit of reggae from 1978. This is What You Got. This is the lead single of his Abstract Theory debut solo album, which was released in 2003. The album got to number 29 on the album's chart, but that failed to find any success elsewhere, and that resulted in Abs being dropped from his record label just Mm -hmm. months later. Did you recognise it? I did, actually, funnily enough, yeah. It it got to the chorus. It took to the chorus for us to really have it all come flooding back Mm -hmm. but it did it really did and I know why because it was on now 53 Ah. and it's one of the tracks I didn't skip it kind of gets some so the original track from Aletha and Donna does be on TV adverts quite a bit yeah um, which is dead odd because there's lots of people that will think that oh wow the abs track's being used in a TV advert Mm. but I really (laughs) I remembered it really well like surprisingly well and I didn't expect to know it as well as it did yeah the 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 bpm and the rhythm within that's one of the ones that just fits in a really weird zone that isn't my speed mm. but it does i think nicely showcase his singing voice what yeah. i was really relieved at is that he doesn't accent it because with that type of vibe it'd be really easy for him to start dipping into an accent that he hasn't into, actually like got patois yeah, yeah. Um, and i'm glad that he doesn't because obviously there's there's uh, a very cultural tone in aletha and donna's version of mm-hmm. uptown top ranking but I, I do like the singing voice and i really like the backing vocals as well yeah i do at least it's them who kind of get the main bulk of the the jamaican speak and he yeah. doesn't really step into that which is you know he kind of comes away from it fairly mm-hmm. fine uh, in, in terms of like the, the the look of the video and some of the iconography some of the costumes or, or lack of costumes in some cases that's maybe where i start to see the appropriation parts that maybe and was that with him go with that not really it's kind of more with his dancers right it, that that's the sort of stuff but um yeah so the 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 original from Alethea and Donna is kind of important for introducing UK audiences to Jamaican patois it's another John Peel track where he played it by accident um no way and it caught on <gasps> So that's how that became big. So we've got John Peel. So what did he not know that it was an abs track and like the sample? Oh, no, I mean the original. Oh, right. Okay, thank you. I'm sure he loved this one as well. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, John and abs, you know, best mates. Yeah. A review from the BBC back when this came out said it was riding the shaggy inspired reggae wave with a a splash of diet lilt pop light, which is quite funny. Um, Yeah. When when Abs was in five, I never saw Justin Timberlake or Usher, but here I do. Weird. 
actually, I didn't write it down, but whenever I was listening to it, there was, there was just a speci- maybe three or four words that sounded like Usher for a split second and then he changed away from Usher so I didn't write it down. Mm-hmm. But I had an Usher tone in there for a split yeah. second in my head. That's so he weird. never came across as like a front man in Five. There wasn't really a front man he, in Five. Was he Wiggy Wiggy? I'm getting jiggy. Was that him? Who did oh, that? I don't know. Hmm. But like in Keep On Moving there, arguably signature hit, he's like start of the second verse. Feels like I should be screaming. Like it's, it, it, I, never saw oh, yeah. him, I never saw him as much of a showcase kind of person whereas like I find it, now that I look back at Five, did any of them really stand out as like so people who were going to go and but that was before bands were put together because there were five solo artists wasn't it they were put together as the noise they made together yeah and now they're starting to you know now we're seeing bands at little mix in one direction that they are being put together as solo people who can like break off as they are now and, yeah. and do solo stuff yeah abs i didn't see having a big solo career or a, well, I, I probably couldn't have looking at five i know that he did go and have one not massively yeah. but he did all right in the grand scheme of things it's it's got those jt and usher kind of vibes but equally it's kind of uniquely british cheeky boy banter vibes as well yeah like it's uniquely british that that Justin and Usher don't have. I think that the reggae kind of revamp hip-hop fusion here does sound good. It's got a bit of steaminess to it, a bit of clamminess to it. It does feel hot and summery, especially in the video where it's kind of like the way it's lit just mm-hmm. makes it feel... I know it's like a lot of CG, but the lighting's good and it makes it feel like it, it fits the vibe. This is quite an impressive starting point to build on, and I don't think he does. I don't no. know, we get a few more track schmabs, I think, possibly. Yeah, we get three top ten schmabs, and this is the, the best performing of them. But no, this is I, I I did remember it, but I forgot that it was actually this good. Yeah, yeah. I was I wasn't looking for I wasn't bothered about like pressing play in it. I think that you know this just reeks of when people have to sell stuff musically that they know that the market in London's massive, so they sample things that they think are gonna like culturally connect with people mm. in London and different places. Whether you're part of that culture or whether you just experience it living you know, in certain areas. But this one, yeah, this has a mass appeal to people in the most popular or the most overcrowded city in the world, really. Yeah. Um, so anybody could have taken that sample and providing the song generally sounded nice and it should have got to where it got to in the chart, really. Mm. Um, anybody could have done it. But yeah, it's not groundbreaking, but I think that he's done well with a, a debut. I don't know about you, but when I googled this song, I got a lot of articles from douchebags about fitness. <laughs> so, Scott, as someone who has had abs in the past, uh-huh. what tips do you have? Be re- Well, have proper breaks. Don't do abs every day. Mm. Overdo them uh, in the sense that you should... Uh, they should hurt. They should... Yeah, whenever... You, if you've got them, they should hurt all of the time if you're going to like kind of live that life. But um, go for the Vs. Start mm. with the points right down to your groin and try work from that. So make sure you're doing the top of them and the bottom of them at the same time. And to do the bottom of them, it means you have to like um, be bent. You need, there needs to be a curve in your spine, really. So whether that's you hang off the, the bench and kind of do sit-ups from a, a, a under zero. You know, if you were like looking at a protractor that you're mm. under, you're minus something. So you start from that point. From abs, what do I do? I usually do them. I can't remember what the machine's called, where you hold yourself up by your elbows and you have to um, take your legs up straight from dangling. <laughs> Mm. Um, so they come straight up and then you do crunches to the side, crunches to the left, straight up, crunches to the side, up, right up, straight up and stuff. So yeah, you need to do it. My fitness instructors, because I have so much belly fat, used to make me do that before I had to do them every day before I even did my fitness workout. Mm. had to always do them. So yeah, abs is a daily thing, really, but um, don't overdo it in case you, you pull something because it's a very difficult thing to come back from. I had cheesy chips for lunch. Oh. Is that the kind of diet that gets you abs? Because just abs. hearing you describe that makes me want to throw them up. 
So you'll be picking mozzarella. No, ab- abs. In a minute. The, the, the difficulty with abs is abs is lots of people will have them and just doesn't you just don't look like you've got them. Mm. Abs really is a down to um, the amount of bol- like body fat you've actually got around your belly, oh, um, and how hydrated and dehydrated you are. So oh, before I had so my dehydrated. before I had my formal pictures taken, and this is what bodybuilders do is they do like an actual full dehydration thing, where you have to convince your body that you're drowning. You're like liquid drowning so you drink excessive 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 I think I had to drink nine litres of water a day I had to have dandelion tablets and then before I did the fitness pictures I had to have a bottle of wine because red wine (laughs) dehydrates you so lots of bodybuilders are drunk whenever they do their posing because they've had to really dehydrate but you have to drink so much that you just practically pee all day and your body thinks because you're drinking so much water it's going to die so it just sheds all your water and your thin goes really your skin goes really thin it's really really dangerous yeah i couldn't believe that i i can't, couldn't believe i did that because i was instructed to do it it was so so bad and probably really bad for kidneys and all sorts but it's a bodybuilder thing where they do that's why you can see you know when you can you picture somebody really muscly in yeah. like a little swimming costume and you can see veins yeah like in their like above their crotch between their crotch and their belly button that's how bad that is I'm like what is the point of it like what is the point of doing that to your doing that to yourself yeah I think I'll leave it to be fair I think I'll uh, gone for some more cheesy chips yeah that's, that's you make me hungry I just sorry about that. Uh, we'll move on to a track from Paul Oakenfold or as he's called here Oakenfold uh, he hasn't put himself out as just his own name very much to this point he's been other names like Plant Perfecto Element 4 mm-hmm. this is just his second single from his debut album Bunker and it's called Starry Eyed Surprise with special guest Shifty Shellshock from Crazy Town oh my starry eyed surprise sun down the sunrise dance all night we gonna dance all night dance all night to this DJ I sugar dance all night to this DJ oh my starry eyed surprise sun down the sunrise so by this point in 2002, Paul Oakenfold had already been declared the number one DJ in the world twice, mm. 1998 and 1999, two in a row by DJ Magazine. And uh, yeah... I remember this really, really clearly at the time because there was so much hype off the back of Crazy Town. Mm. And it was the strangest collaboration that I think it ever really actually Very much so. thought about. And the fact he was just calling himself Oakenfold was strange because I was used to opening a... Me and my brother had... You know, we, we had a bedroom together, a little two-drawer bedside table in between the two of them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, And the bo- you'd open the top drawer and it was just cassettes. And it was all of these things that we'd taped off the radio over years and years. Mm-hmm. And every one, like they said, Paul Oakenfold. And then when it came out, you know, when you there was no access to information back then, you had to wait for somebody to say something on the telly or on the radio so that you figured out that that was Paul Oakenfold. Yeah. So there was loads of mystery around it could this have been at this like point. Just John Oakenfold, or yeah, it could, yeah, uh huh. It could have been anybody. Um, but I remember whenever this came, I was really excited for it. I listened to it, and whoa, it was so different from what I was expecting to kind mm. of hear because it was such a dance music crazy town hybrid. Yeah. I bloody loved it. Absolutely loved it. Loved. I love this. I still oh, to this okay. day shout freaky dicky. <laughs> oh, I do. And weirdly, I I knew I I I was able to rap half the way bloody through it as well. I knew so much of it and I'd forgotten how much I actually knew. But I love the overall tone of it. I think it's brilliant. I think that, and I remember one of the reasons why I liked it at the time was because the tone's completely off. Like it sounds completely out of key. Yeah. But that's why it's brilliant because that's really hard to do correctly. You know, there is a skill to that. But Paul's 
match the instrumentation perfectly with Shifty or Shifty. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's been done very good. I like the samples. Everybody's talking about Harry Nilsson is a guitar kind of doom, doom, mm-hmm. doom, doom. Love that. Got Your Money by Old Dirty Bastard and Khalees is in there as well. Like that as well. And I like that the genius uh, description for this just says, lyrically, the song is about dancing and having a good time. So it's nothing ground, you know. It's it's it's, nah. it's nothing um, earth-shatteringly poetic. It's just a vibe. It's just a kind of summary vibe. It's it's a surprising one. Yeah, I'm surprised to see Crazy Town again after Butterfly because I think that I didn't think they had another hit single because they're not really credited as part of the main yeah. part of the track. So that's why I haven't seen the name anywhere. I'm surprised by Paul Oakenfold doing this after kind of how trancy and kind of like much bigger so if you don't had you not heard this no 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 oh wow because i don't so that yeah this this is in my catalog of songs but because of the speed of it it would never get played and i probably never played it while you were my producer but i would play this if i was driving around in the car no problem i would keep Mm -hmm. this on and i like my dance music quite emotive Mm -hmm. uh, and this doesn't really have that for me i guess because he's so flat in tone i know you've said that kind of it it matches up nicely but for me like it's very flat in tone it's not really you know it's it's just a bit gibberish for me it's very simple it probably fits somewhere nice next to something like fat boy slim of like the sort of 98 you've come a long way baby sort of era Uh probably fits in that sort of group of stuff but yeah i'm not i'm not like i'm not Hmm. captured by it really i think I haven't I haven't actually done the research on this, but if we're talking the Bunker album and it's the second single from it, this must have been a follow-up to Southern Sun. Which is beautiful, ethereal, Abitha Sunset vibe. So this, mm. this, this flows on nicely from that because they're of a similar speed but they are also contradictory of one another but I think you might actually just love Southern Sun mm. and then if you if you listen to this as a follow on you'd get it I have this down as an intro juice because to this point have I had an intro I haven't had an intro no, juice no. to this point this is my first intro juice because it just it just catches that guitar catches me straight away but it's a very very smart sample that's chopped immediately and, and broken to pieces but yeah. I agree with the I've put production nothing too flamboyant just really intelligently put together yeah I think um, Shifty has kind of like accidentally got stoned before he got to the club kind of vibes. <laughs> like he, um, he was supposed to take like a paracetamol to get, his, get rid of his headache mm-hmm. and he took like a like a Nurofen or something really strong. <sighs> yeah. You and know, like he's he, suddenly like... Strongest drugs he could have taken that day were with Nurofen. Doing his, he's doing his DJ set. <laughs> da, 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 da. Well, no, just in terms of stuff that knocks you out. I know he yeah. take, he's probably another... Well, I'm not going to say... I'm not going to insinuate anything, but, you know, I think he's... he's He's trying to get rid of a headache. He's necked a couple of tablets to kind of like get rid of that. He's necked the wrong thing, and suddenly Oakenfold's doing his DJ set and like performing the track. Mm-hmm. It's like Shifty, you're on. He's just like, we're gonna dance all night to this DJ. Dance all night to this. I just love like, that. Oh no, yeah. And it, it's it's it, it's like stoner dance, isn't it? It's, it really, is, it's stoner dance. Yeah. It's like Ibiza sunset, passing a spliff round the beach. Yeah, vibe. I still can't imagine this being played in Ibiza, mm. but. I think it's a lovely follow-on from Southern Sun. If I'm right that it did follow in Southern Sun, but yeah, it's I, like I, I beef a cafe kind of vibe. Like you're having a you're having a breakfast the next day, and this comes on production wise because actually, yeah, the the drum beat and it's a bit drum and bassy actually in a really subtle way too. But mm. yeah, I really I re- I can't believe that I, I never thought that you might not have heard this. Have you heard Oakenfold and Faster Kill Pussycat with yeah, Bernie yeah. Murphy on it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. he does he can go grungy. The thing is though, was Paul Oakenfold started out in hip hop 
Mm-hmm. So that's where he started from and he's kind of come through and is kind of responsible pretty much for this massive rejuvenation in Ibiza. But he knows his stuff. Like, I know Paul. Like, we've met... Have you, did you meet him? I uh, don't think so. I swear you did. Because then he told us... He, uh? he told us he was reflect. I need to feel love. And I was like, no way, is that you? You've met him at Creamfields. That's where you've met him at have Creamfields. Have I? Best mates with Sasha. There you go. Oh, well, I've no. probably have then. Um, but yeah, but this is never one of the tracks we would come back to and discuss with him because no. he's done so massive amounts of things with Perfecto that, yeah, this one kind of gets forgotten about, really. Mm. We'll get him on the phone. We'll have a chat with him. (laughs) Love that. Number eight this week from Milky, a track we've mentioned before for some reason. I forget why now, but it has come up in conversation before. Now we're finally doing it on the show. And the track is called Just The Way You Are. This samples Streets of Your Town by Australian band The Go-Betweeners. And it also samples Listen to What the Man Said by Paul McCartney and Wings. The do-do-do's. The do-do-do's is probably why we've discussed it before. Maybe, yeah. And it goes, yeah. The samples are genius. Like, if you go on, like, mm-hmm. on who sampled and listened to them and how, like, they fit in with the track. Really good. Absolutely brilliant. Some of the best sample work I can recall, really. From the first note, from that first strum of guitar, this is summer. Uh, yeah, this it is. It's just summer. Yeah. It's, it's funny, we're getting a lot of these tracks now that are summery, like at the end of August, I guess, because back then, you'd have tracks that play on radio and, and TV for like months before they actually came out. Yeah. Whereas now, everything comes out so quickly at the same time, like everything, the, the times are all mm-hmm. off. But back back then, it made a lot more sense, I think. Yeah. You had time to build the hype. And then, you know, you've built like eight weeks of hype for it to come out and then it does numbers in the shops. You can sell more at this time of year because what you've got where we're at in the timeline is closing parties. So if you're a dance music artist, they're on all of the resorts, you love them, then you come back and you need to document the memories by going out and buying some songs and you and your mates all go and buy this. So five people buy it instead of one. Yeah. Yeah, and this is one for memories. I'll get to a comment before we uh, before we move on. That I'll I, I, I'll, I'll you'll, you'll see why I'm making a point of it when we get to it. But anyway, um, yeah, this is a German vocalist. This is uh, Guidita. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Egyptian German model Sabrina Elal who's uh, in the video and is on the cover of the single. Uh, these are Italian producers, but this is just like sexy French. French vibes, isn't it? Yeah, it's... De- she even sounds a bit French. She doesn't sound German. She sounds a bit more like the way you walk. One of my favourite things about it is the fact that you can hear her accent when she sings. Mm-hmm. And I don't always love that in songs, but I love the fact you can hear an accent here too. But weirdly, the fact you've just said that bit is this was an ongoing joke where my mate Simon, who never sings along the songs, always, whenever that came on, I would just let him do the bit because he would do the way you whack because it sounds like she says whack. And the tone of it's brilliant, but I think it's full of hooks. Vocally, she's brilliant. Weirdly, right? can you picture the artwork? I I, I saw it yesterday, so I can't actually... uh, So this... I can see her in the video very clearly. So this really confused me years and years and years ago because I actually don't look very similar at all, but because I knew the artwork, whenever Leona Lewis started on The X Factor, I swore that that was her because the artwork looked like Leona Lewis Uh, from a side angle. And I was like, hold on a second, she's on this programme and she's already had a go at this. It is not Leona Lewis. And actually, when you see her away from that 
image it is she doesn't actually look that much like Luna Lewis she, mm. maybe there's a few split second things if you think about Luna when she first started out singing but um, yeah I just totally had her there really but I have this down as an introduce yes. I think samples like you said brilliant yeah. hooks all over the show yep. great vocals nice bit of European tone in it as mm-hmm. well I always just do feel sorry whenever the vocalists don't make the cut for the music video yeah, yeah. I know it's a shame smelly cap yeah and yeah, yeah I. they've chosen a really good performer for the video though she has a real kind of essence and kind of presence there's bits where she has like a brainwashed stare in some parts which like really fits the infatuated vibe of the track Mm -hmm. like this is like if you had to kind of place this track as part of a you know if this was like a real story like summing up a real event you'd say it's kind of like that dizzying whirlwind one week summer romance isn't it you, you meet a girl on holiday yeah. how everyone's you know has, has got off with a girl on holiday and they come back and tell their mates it's that isn't it it's like you, you see this girl for a week and uh-huh. then you don't see her ever again but you'll always yeah. have that week oh, that's, that's kind of what this is you're just head over heels and, and just in love she fits the vibe the guy kind of fits the vibe the song fits the vibe and I just well it's just all vibe lovely mm-hmm. filtering you know it sounds like a nice like live mixed track in places yeah. it's got that kind of like funky guitar low in the mix which sounds like it could be like straight out of like a daytime show, busy TV show, like that, bow, 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 <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah, I, 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 I love, love it. I, love I it. really like I love it, it. I love it, love it, love yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, a comment that I saw on YouTube and I got really emotional. I read this and I started like welling up genuinely. Oh, no. Uh, it says, I was 19 on my first break from uni in summer 2002, which is just a year older than you would have been actually yeah. at this point. I'm in the perfect demographic for this song. Heard this song all the time in the car when meeting up with friends all summer and on MTV too. Miss those times. Oh. And I was like, ah, oh. mm-hmm. that is, it's, it's heartbreaking. That's so basic, it's, but it, that's so poignant. Yeah. Isn't it? Isn't it? That, it sticks yeah. at you. Uh-huh. It's just like, yeah, to be 19 again, to be living those memories again, to have these songs be the soundtrack. And have your summers. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, even even just reading it again now, I'm like, damn, it's just it. Oh. It's it's it, it's it's. I guess it's tough because you know you can never go back and do that again. Like once you've done that, it's done. No, for me to go back and do that, I have to kind of like become a hippie and live off the earth. Yeah, you know, and every day Which is that day, and then it gets idea. a bit boring. But at least you wouldn't have your roof blown off if you're in a mm. hippie convent. No, 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 I wouldn't have a roof. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Think about it. So this is a new week, the 1st of September 2002, in the cinemas, a film that was there and then almost very suddenly not there, uh, a film called Pluto Nash with Eddie Murphy. Have you heard of Pluto Nash? Never heard of it, no. Well, the thing is, it came out and I wanted to see it because I wanted to see any film really that was out and had Eddie Murphy in it this time. And um, when I, my dad tried to come and find it to watch it somewhere, he just couldn't because literally it wasn't around very long because it did so, so badly. Oh, really? It cost a fortune and uh, it, nobody went to see it really. Uh-huh. It got critically savaged. Eddie Murphy, you know, I think he had a long time of not getting much work mm-hmm. after how bad this went down. It's one of the biggest box office bombs in history, which means like it, it made the biggest, one of the biggest losses in cinema history. Oh, wow. Yeah, really, really bad. Mm. I haven't seen it uh, because it's so, well, it was so hard to see in cinemas. I'm not going to yeah. watch it at home, am I? What's well, the there's, a, there's a massive warning sign telling you don't bother your arse. Yeah, pretty much, mm. yeah. Uh, another important week for TV because uh, just after Dick and Dom started on the Saturday, a new show started on the Sunday called Smile which gave us kind of Reggie oh. Yates. It gave us Dev, who's like been on Radio no 1. He started on Smile, Did yeah. He? Fern Cotton was on it as well. So yeah, important. I must have watched that, because I remember Reggie and Fern before Top of the Pops, but I don't remember Dev. Yeah, yeah. He was DJ Dev Star. 
And oh, he, 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 he like DJed oh, wow. for the whole show. Yeah, uh, like Nev the Bear as well. I had like a Nev the Bear, like a blue soft toy uh-huh. thing. It just like said hmm. these things like yeah, yeah. I feel like I do remember this stuff. Yeah, I'll, 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 I still have it. Well, I've, I've, I haven't got the one that I originally had. So basically, I had one. And then I moved out of my stepdad's place. You, you, you know this. Nobody else needs to know the important Blair. Uh, so the one that I actually had as a kid got left at the house because we just moved out and just told him to do one. And I was like, oh, it's a shame because I had that and I, I really liked it. And it's like a nice nostalgic thing. Uh, so I bought a new one when I was in uni. Oh, that's really <laughs> So sweet. I've got like a newer one. That's um, nice. It talks, you press its paw and it does catchphrases. The mouth moves. It's like a mechanical mouse. Ah. I'll have to show you. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's funny, but probably the most important bit of TV news is that on the seventh of September, having kind of seen what happened with Hearsay and what happened with Liberty X, they then did Pop Stars: The Rivals Ooh. that started this week. So over the next few months. We'll start to see Girls Aloud take form. We'll start to see One True Voice take form, but who cares? Um, but yes, Girls Aloud, this is the beginning of the journey for them. Mm-hmm. In the next few months, we'll have the first Girls Aloud single. So that's something to look forward to. Exciting. And I think on the whole, Pop Stars Arrivals was more successful as a TV show, wasn't it? Like they, they had a better idea of what the format was going to be. It was the first live one. Yeah. So it was actually like weeks of like voting off and they found a way to monetize it and make it more exciting. You know, with Pop Stars, the original one, it was a documentary series. People lost interest really after the band got put together because that was the important bit. And then you got to watch these five people argue and bicker and get bullied Mm -hmm. by the record label. Whereas this was a bit more engaging and, uh, and more exciting. So we look forward to seeing how that concludes in the next few weeks. Spoiler alert, Girls Aloud. And uh, they (laughs) they fucking nailed it. They, they did a really, really good thing. A rare reality TV success story that actually was a genuine like success from start to finish. Yeah. So, number one this week, Blazing Squad were knocked off after one week, which is a shame. It is a shame, mm. especially because of what knocks it off. I'm going to put out there now, spoiler alert. Mm. They said they were going to be your number one in the song, and they were for three weeks. This is Atomic Kitten, and the tide is high. Get the feeling. So originally the Paragons, then Blondie, it's had loads of different releases of life and back now as Atomic Kitten, released mm-hmm. as the second single from their second studio album, Feel So Good. And this version added a new bridge, hence the subtitle of Get The Feeling at yeah. the back of it as well. I thought this was going to be a huge bop whenever I listened to it again. Mm. And I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I don't hate it. I, I sing along to it, probably wouldn't turn it off again but I was expecting a bigger reaction from me whenever we got to this point and yeah. oh it's flat isn't it it's like they're not flat but the, the energy and the vibe is just flat there's, I don't think there's much more you could have like done with it no because it is very much a cool independent artist track yeah you know Blonde Blondie's very hard to follow. Yeah. I remember that the only time I've liked somebody doing something that Blondie did first was when Diana Vickers sang Call Me on X Factor. <laughs> I thought she was brilliant. Yeah. I thought she was absolutely Love fantastic at it. Yeah. Um, but this, this is a hard follow because... It's a Blondie track mm. to people. People think, people don't know the Paragons. People think this is originally a Blondie track all yeah. of the time. And I see, but I think they could have ruined it even more like they really could have over-egged this and I think they have been respectful to the original Yeah. but the matchup isn't as good as I kind of remember it being but mm. my thoughts with this was and this is where I like covers and people covering tracks is if this gets somebody who was 15 at the time to listen to this and then all of a sudden 
see something in a record collection from their mum and dad that says to tie his hide on the sleeve and then start listening to Blondie or the Paragons. It's kind of worked. Yeah. And it's widened the musical stratosphere for them. But yeah, I'm, um, I'm a bit disappointed it hasn't caused me as big of a buzz as I thought it was gonna. Yeah. I'm not terribly attached to the Blondie track in the first place. I think I like other Blondie tracks more. I like the track they released after this one more, Rapture. Really, really, really good. I'm not fussed on the Tide High, really. Um, this is kind of nice, like, but in a kind of like a nice is kind of like, oh, it's nice, but kind of way. It's pretty uninspired. You know, all they've done is kind of add some record scratches and that kind of like to modernize it up a little bit. And if you look at this sort of era of Atomic Kitten, like the track before this, what was it? It's called It's Okay. And I guess this is also kind of okay. This whole era of Atomic Kitten, like you look at the, even the artwork, I was getting the artwork to put on the on the graphics and stuff this week. And like, you know, the logo used to be like 3D and like a weird fun font. And on, on the cover, they're all like, ah! Like, we, 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 we first spoke about Atomic Kitten, and, you know, they, they were, what, like, number eight, number nine, number ten, on the verge of getting dropped out of the label, you know, it mm-hmm. wasn't working out. They were, like, E-number levels of addictive, hyperactive, blah, sort of stuff when Carrie was in the band. Now you look at the artwork, and you, know, you look at the videos, you look at the songs, you look at all of it, and it's just like, they've found a really sort of bland middle ground that's kind of, like, good enough to sell records, but, like... There's nothing really creative about it. No, I think it's mature is the word. And I do think it's them matured, but it's probably a dangerous track to use to mature them. Well, the gamble paid off because they got a number one for three weeks and became one of the biggest tracks of the year. It was yeah. uh, nominated for Record of the Year, nominated for Best British Single to the Brits, lost to Liberty X just a little, which is the absolutely right call. If this one of a Liberty X, I would probably just like really stop doing the podcast, to be honest. This is just like really try-hard karaoke especially Jenny's verse, not a singler out, although I am. <laughs> I don't mean to, but like, I think it does just feel like you're at karaoke and someone's gone, I'll do the oh. tightest high. Oh. And they're really showing off and you're like, oh, fucking just... I think it's better for a laugh. We're just here for a laugh, man. Stop taking it so seriously. I feel like I need to ask you how much you'd score this out of 10 then. Three, four. Oh, I thought you were going to say four. Oh, no, I would give it more Three and a half. I would, I would give it a good six and a half. You know what the best bit is? When it ends? Uh, kind of, yeah, if, if you get to the end. No, actually, weirdly, the best bit for me, the bit I enjoyed the most, was the get the feeling bit, genuinely. Yeah. Every time that I get the feeling, you give me something to believe in. Every time that I got you near me, I know the way that I want it to be. But you know I'm going to take my chance now. I'm going to make it happen somehow. And you know I can take the pressure. I'm always paying for a lot. And that's a new bit where the pace kind of picks up and you get to see a bit more personality. It's still pretty vapid and pretty kind of like, you know, it's not very well written. It's just like, eh. But like that was a bit where I kind of perked up a little bit. So is, otherwise, just not fuss. Is it a Blondie problem that we've got here? I don't like. I said I don't. I don't love the Blondie track anyway. Yeah. But I think they've they've taken a lot of the personality that Blondie had from it. I think it's got like a. I think the pace is right for the lyrics. I think that it's. 
fun in many respects especially I think they bring a bit more fun to it you know Blondie brings hardcore cool I think Atomic Kitten with the elbow dances and things <laughs> give it a bit more of an, a different angle and this is this could be a forever wedding song and you know people are just happy and they'd have they'd make fun memories to it so yeah there's a there's a lot there's a lot that works within it and I think maybe actually like at least they've been respectful of the original yeah. maybe maybe there's a Blondie issue here and yeah, maybe it's maybe it's actually that, and they they just played the hand that they were dealt really safely. Mm. You've mentioned the elbow dancing, which I guess is the only kind of choreography that Natasha could do while she's heavily pregnant. Yeah, it, but it's nice to see, though, isn't it? Like, I think generally they try and hide it as much as they can. Only at the end does she kind of turn and you see the bump. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just kind of like very front on. Yeah, you can't really see a lot of protrusion. I like that. She's even though she's heavily pregnant, still showing midriff. You know, because you can't do a girl band single of this era and not show midriff, even if you're out to here. But no, I love that. And I think a lot of the comments, if you go in the video, a lot of the comments are about the fact that they're really pleased to show that they're not like hiding it away yeah. too much. That they're, they're pleased that they've... And it's the thing that Little Mix are doing now. Like obviously Little Mix, two of them have had kids. One of them had twins. And um, they've done a lot of their videos very, very pregnant. And it's mm-hmm. nice because it's, you know... I just, I, I just love I, that it's I just acceptable. hope that it was her choice. I hope that she wasn't being dragged to work. Like I know you're like gonna pop any minute now, but like you got to record this video because we've got deadlines to meet and stuff. I hope that it was her choice of like, oh no, like I'll I'll do it. I, I want I want to make a point here as opposed mm-hmm. to label being dickheads. Because it, it's it's back at this time, like I've said before, it was bad PR because you know Victoria Beckham. She was in a relationship, was looked off the market mm. for Spice Girls and that had a negative impact on them, in my view. You want to be able to look at Natasha, Natasha Hamilton and go, she could be my girlfriend. Yeah. Or I, or I could give her uh-huh. that child. Yeah, you don't ha- you don't want to have to sit and think, oh God, they, she now needs to get divorced before she can be mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't want to have to deal with a stepdad. You know, all of that kind of stupid stuff. But it was a it was a marketing PR disaster back then and they tried it like that, whereas now it's like pregnant, yeah, great, love it. Empowered. Yeah, look at my look at my bump. And then if if you know, if somebody has a traumatic pregnancy, what you get next is you get like a really important podcast of people telling us how they sure. feel. We're in so much more of a better place, yeah, really, compared yeah. to this era. But we still look back at it and be like, no, oh, 2002, great mm, stuff. Mm, you know? mm. Yeah, that's the bit I like the most is that they've done that. Yeah. But otherwise, I could happily skip this. Oh, what a shame. Yeah. I'm, I am underwhelmed at it now, and I thought it was going to be a clear as day episode winner for me. Mm, okay. There you go. So down to number five and the second single from Miss Dynamite T. He with the track called Dynamite T. He. released as the second single from her debut studio album A Little Deeper which Mm -hmm. was our follow up to It Takes More I always remember just being gripped by the story in this I always got pulled in and I love I needed that as as a music lover and somebody that listens to instrumentals and the musicality first um, I love the fact that she's able to pull me in with the words. Yeah. And the only other person that I found that did that around this era maybe maybe a few years later was Estelle. Estelle really pulls me in with the words as well and I love this track because of that and actually I love whenever you get a specific memory to it so her, her use of descriptive language is great mm. but um, I remember getting a lift 
home with a friend of mine called Nicola and she was giving me a lift home in her Vauxhall Cavalier well her dad's Vauxhall Cavalier and um, she I just remember her singing Miss Dynamite you know when you're just in the car with somebody and they sing it and it just sticks in your head because yeah. I think then I come in this um, which is weird and it's so strange sitting doing that prep for this today because she lost her dad a year ago today from Covid mm. and I just thought it was really insane that this has landed on our playlist today yeah. when we're yeah. doing it and I was thinking about her anyway and I thought it's all just kind of like it's just major strange throwbacks, really coincidental. But um, yeah, love you, Nicola. You're dead sweet. Yeah. Oh well, that's yeah. That that is kind of fortuitous, I guess. That's funny. I love the song, today. but I love the song because of her. Yeah. As well as Miss Dynamite just being brilliant and the hooks and stuff in it too. But you can see if this was a rubbish song and Nicola still had a sang it, I probably still would have loved it. Yeah. But it's not rubbish anyway. So no, it doesn't it's matter. not. Uh, it sounds gorgeous. You know, it sounds like it's been played off vinyl. It's got like a real kind of old school crackle to it. It samples a track from the 60s, which kind of makes sense for the, the tone of it. It's kind of old school classic hip hop vibes here, but with a modern sort of twist. She continues to be a triple threat in the video, singing, rapping, you know, choreography. She, she knocks out the park. There is a video of me which exists on tape somewhere of me watching Jules Holland Hootenanny no way. and watching her perform oh, this amazing. and me kind of probably appropriately dancing and singing along. Um, oh. Yeah, which uh, yeah, it's 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 somewhere. I'm sure someday we'll go through those tapes and we'll we'll see all the cringe Sweet. cringe shit I got up to when I was like six. You were so cute though, and I was very very cute. Uh, I don't know what happened really, but no, I um I feel lucky that we have this track. I feel genuinely whenever I hear this or think about this, even just thinking about it, I feel lucky that this exists and we have this era of music from her. Like it's a real different step. You know, we have the Truth Hurts of the world who are like smutty and trying to like just shock really realistically this is just like it's all focused on story it's all focused on vibe it's all focused on performance and 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 storytelling Uh, i always listen out for the line which has the food uh macaroni rice and peas chicken and pineapple punch Mm -hmm. just i look i I just end of the line look i look out for and look out to and this kind of candid autobiographical music reminds me of little sims these days who i saw it at um i saw at the o2 academy in newcastle last week and it's that it, it is it's, it's, Little Sims is probably the Miss Dynamite of her time, and I, th- I look to a track like 101 FM from Little Sims. We used to have dreams of getting out of flats, playing PS2, Crash Bandicoot, Mortal Kombat. I must have my flow like Daisy and Buster. And one day buy real weed from a Rasta. Which is probably talking about like this sort of time when this came out mm-hmm. like Little Sims growing up in the flats in London mm-hmm. probably talking about this sort of 2002 2003 sort of time yeah. playing video games in a flats you know making music for the first time the the video of 101 FM ends with like a polyphonic ringtone which very much reminds <laughs> of 2002 sort of time so yeah I'm, I feel very lucky to have these artists who tell a story in such a compelling way sounds amazing you know the whole package and I just yeah I can't get enough of this yeah, very I love much. It. Yeah, and 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 now we've got the brilliant Scott McGurty he, which I'm going to call you from Scott every McGurty. How has that never been a I thing? <laughs> I just heard you on the radio. Yep. Oh, you need jingles being made. <laughs> okay, we, need, we need you back on a breakfast show just to just the to have jingle that. guy has COVID. Yeah, oh, oh, I can't believe it. Come yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Okay, and finally, this is a number nine for Nickelback, a second single from them. It's called Too Bad. Too bad, too late, so wrong, so long It's too bad, we had no time 
This one is off their Silverside Up album and it deals with the issues Chad felt growing up without his father who was abandoned or who abandoned him at age two. Uh, and again, yeah, I didn't think I was going to know it, oddly enough, even though I had the Nickelback album in my sister's car. So I actually heard that album probably a lot, I think, if it was that one. Then the chorus dropped and I just remembered it. And then I watched the music video and I really remembered it because I remember being completely pulled in by the music video at the time. Yeah. Uh, which I kind of think means actually the video's better than the song. Yeah. It's not it's not a really well done video. Is it for the time? Maybe it is for the time. For the time, I think it's impactful. It's very impactful, yeah. But I think, you know, it's nickelback, tonally, spot on for them. You never want to follow up how you remind me because you just can't you can't beat that. You know, there's no. not much you're gonna be able to do now that when a song's that big. It's really, really hard to beat, yeah. so you can't beat that. I think it has some hooks. It's not jam-packed with them. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not a lead track. Maybe isn't even, you know, if you're releasing this as your second track off your album, you're not saying massively positive things about the rest of the tracks in the album if this was your number two choice. I think, for, for, for what you're saying there, like, I think in the future, Nickelback will be accused of trying to copy and replicate the success and the sound of how you remind me, mm-hmm. whereas this doesn't do that, and I think no. this is this is before they, you, this is before you can start leveling that criticism at them. I think here this does sound separate. It does feel like, it does feel like a second single, sure, but at least isn't them. It isn't them doing how you remind me too, which it, is nice. Yeah, this this does feel like a different thing. Mm-hmm. There's a bass line that comes in quite early on that is just like filth, like a sort of almost brown noise level of kind of deepness to the tone of the bass line uh-huh. there's kind of a nirvana come as you are sort of pace to it like you know it isn't the kind of rollicking pace of the other stuff yeah it's a bit more mellow well not mellow because it's kind of like aggressive but like aggressively mellow yeah you're not gonna you're not gonna headbang to it no but it's still grungy yeah not that Chad sounds like Kurt Cobain before anybody goes. No, it's no, just no. purely instrumental but, uh, that I'm judging that on. But no, I'm, I'm very okay with this. Childhood trauma is no joke. No. And um, this does a good job of kind of describing the complexities of that because, like, he's talking about being two-year-old. He's talking about being very, very young. And um, I think it's a confusing time to go through that sort of stuff because they're still your dad. Yeah. I think they're, they're still your dad and you are very conflicted. And I think you, because it happens so early in your life, you're conflicted for like forever. Yeah. And there is a real confliction in the lyrics there of kind of like, yeah, I, know, I know you've tried to call me there for a sort of thing, but also like, fuck you. But also kind of like, you're me dad. Yeah. So I, I like the kind of the moral conversation that's had within this. And I, I, I do like it on the whole. It's not a it's not a big single, but I'm glad it is a single because otherwise we wouldn't have heard it. It's really hard. It's like that thing in life where you're just, you know, even, even if you haven't experienced the kind of the father walking at you kind of thing it's the you know when you get to a point in life where you're actually closer to your friends and your friends are the family you make for yourself sort of a thing Mm -hmm. it's really hard to draw lines under things Um, and you know there's always a debate about cutting people out of your life and um, I was always part of that debate when I was younger with people but my attitude's probably different now to what it was when I was back in 2002 but um, yeah it's definitely uh, a good track in the sense that it hasn't hit any of the caricatures of Nickelback yet and they're doing something different and they have something to say within the track, yeah. which is good. And yes, yeah, so relatable to some people in many ways, shapes or forms, I'd say. And for those that isn't relatable to, hopefully they appreciate now really what it's like. I guess there's a lot of songs and a lot of media about people who grew up without fathers or grew up without a parent. I think this does quite a, a good job of summarising that in three yeah. minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like yeah. it. I do. Right, we need to choose some winners. Uh, we had eight tracks this week, so there's a bit more to pick mm. from than some weeks we've had recently. Do you know what you're saying? Mm. 
Let me just make some notes quickly. Yeah, let me just have a little look through. I, this is weird because I've done <clears> this on a Google Doc this week. Which is very so unlike you. I know I like to write things down because um, it, it's different. Oh, right. I'm really uh, torn, actually. There's, um, mm. there's a good four tracks. I might sneak in a fifth. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm very mm-hmm. torn about the top spot. Right, I think I've got... Mm, yeah, is that a strange way? Is this strange? <clears throat> is this weird? Okay, yeah, I think... I think I've got. I think I've got four. Okay, hit me with your four. Can I go? Will I go back? Right. Okay. Fourth place, Atomic Kitten. The tide is high. Get the feeling, which I thought would have been an actual episode winner, mm. and it wasn't. Third place, Oakenfold. Starry eyed surprise. Almost interchangeable with Miss Dynamite, Dynamite Teehee, which is going to be my number two. But my number one is going to be, which I didn't actually think I would have done, but I think the conversations really hooked me into it. Milky Just The Way You Are is my episode winner this week. Mm, okay. Mm. Yeah, I kind of wanted um, Blazing Squad in there so that when it came to the listener's choice that mm. we uh, we could maybe fish out some Blazing Squad fans you know the super fans that watch every single hashtag and get yeah, a notification yeah. for hashtag Blazing Squad be good yeah. okay where are you at then um, I was going to do a five I might do a four with an honourable mention okay I'll do an honourable mention but not a contender for Nickelback oh wow great it's too bad mm-hmm. four I'm going to go abs oh really what wow. you got mm-hmm. yeah I do like it Third, I'm gonna go Blaze and Squad, Crossroads. Oh cool. See you at the crossroads, 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 see you at the crossroads, 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 see you at the crossroads, 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 see you at the crossroads, crossroads, crossroads. So because of what you've done, <laughs> I'm gonna go number two, Milky, just the way you are. Oh. This is why I like going second. And uh, number one, I'm going to go Miss Dynamite. Yeah. With okay. Dynamite TV. Good, good. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have gone Milky. I, I probably would have gone Milky, but I think uh, they're, they're so close. But because you've given Milky the platform, I'll give Miss Dynamite mm-hmm. the platform because she deserves it. So strange that, like, I honestly, on paper, the Atomic Kitten looks like it should be miles ahead, doesn't it? Mm, and not, then for me, not for me. When you have the not with, not, not 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 in a week that has Milky and Miss Dynamite, I, I, I always knew that Atomic Kitten wasn't going to be even top two for me. But it's going to be weird because when we put this up as a listener's choice, people aren't going to know what Milky is from the <sighs> words. So we're in a really difficult position with yeah. that. So yeah, I'm yeah. intrigued. I'm intrigued to see what happens with that. Okay, Scott, you've got Kylie versus Milky. Ooh! I'm sure 17-year-old Scott would have loved the thought of Kylie in a bath of Milky. 
Aye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she, she was so hot that it just would have probably turned to custard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, point. quite. Yeah. Curds and whey, maybe. Uh, so you have that choice. Uh, I'll hit you with it. He's a drone. I can go quick this week. Easy. Milky cannot touch the sides. Kylie stays on. <laughs> Milky just got skimmed yeah. out of the competition there. And I've got a set. No, no, no. Me chair. Back's got a me chair. Laughing too hard. Oh, dear. Um, right, well, that was quick. Yeah, very good. About as quick as you'd be with Kat. No, um, um, yeah. Oh, it's turned. I know, hasn't uh, it? Let's get this over with. Come on, quick. So let's hit you with your drone then. You have got a little bit of Miss Dynamite, Dynamite T. He and Vanessa Carlton, A Thousand Miles drone. Mm, it's another one of those really kind of hard ones that you don't. I always forget how hard this is. Well, I haven't mm-hmm. done it for a few weeks, so I've forgotten how hard this part of the show actually is. Um, I think I like I like them both fairly equally for, for different reasons. Oh. Um, I like the autobiographical nature of Miss Dynamite. I love the chilled out vibe. You know, I don't often go for slower tracks, but this, I mean, this is slower than Vanessa Carlton, isn't it, actually, when you think about it? Yeah. Um, it's more my kind of genre than the piano kind of sound of Vanessa Carlton. But I think just because Vanessa Carlton is pure Hooksville everywhere, yeah. I do give that the edge. But I do absolutely love Miss Dynamite and it's a shame we don't get much more of her from this point. No, what do we get? We get a. Who does she collaborate with? Does she. Not Dizzy, is it? In the future, she does a track with Katie B. Uh-huh. And she does a track with DJ Fresh. DJ Fresh. That's what Dibby I'm Dibby thinking. Dibby Sound. Dibby Sound. Yeah. We get her for that? No, 2014. No way, was it? And Katie B was like 2010. Mm. So we don't okay. we don't get a lot more, if any. I'm not too sure. Yeah. But uh, if this is the end, it's a great way to end. Uh, I hope there's at least one more. I don't think there is, to be honest, but I'm not too sure. Right. Anyway, to, to cut a long story short, Vanessa Carlton stays on. I'm sorry, Miss Dynamite. Well done. Um, that's quite interesting, that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So that's the, so the winner's choice then? Yeah. Oh, God, what's this going to be? So we've both chosen... Milky. Mm-hmm. We've both chosen Miss Dynamite. Mm-hmm. We didn't both choose Blazing Squad, did we? Are we going to stick Blazing Squad in? I think they were number one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and should we stick in Atomic Kitten as well? Yeah. Okay. So Milky, Miss Dynamite, Blazing Squad, Atomic Kitten. That'll go up on our. Uh, to be fair, you know what? I, we didn't do one last week. I forgot to tweet it out. Oh no, we've got a bit of a backlog. Mm. I will rectify it and just keep across our Twitter page and I'll figure it out. It'll all be fine. <laughs> but yeah, the best place to find out information about the podcast is on our Twitter page at TNN Pod. We're also on Facebook and Instagram too. And if you want to get us voice notes and emails, how can you do that? You can get us hello at tnnpod.co.uk. Please send them in. We want to hear from you. Yes, please. Uh, coming up next week. Actually, I've got them written down here as a quiz because we did this last time and I quite enjoyed it. So I've got, right. the, I've got some clues here and uh, we'll see if you can figure out what they are. Bear in mind, you've already prepped this. We're doing it straight after this. Sisters, formerly of a girl band. Ah, uh, yes. Appleton. Yep. The final top ten for some Clubland legends. Final top ten. Oh, mm. is it going to be? It's going to be the entrance one. It's entrance. Oh. Yep. Uh, the Mod Father himself, formerly of the Jam and the Style Council. I need to shave his head. Weller. Paul Weller. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Mantronics cover from some reality TV contestants. <gasps> uh, Liberty X. Got to have your love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the daughter of a rock star. 
loosely. Uh, <laughs> Osborne. Yeah. A German man who shouts stuff. Tie your shoe, <laughs> Scooter. <laughs> How much is the fish? <laughs> um, a reality TV contestant who didn't get in the live shows of the programme. Oh, I on. love this song. Mm. Um, Sarah Watmore. Sarah Watmore. And finally, Belgian trance on a boat. Ooh, oh, there's a lot of that in this era. Yeah. Um, uh... Milk ink? Milk ink. Milk ink took me away. There's a love ink from that era as well. So there is a love yeah, ink yeah. as well, yeah. So all of that next week, and we'll see you there for it. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.